The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. When you hear the words self-control, what do you think of? Does something like this come to mind? Where you're having to make some choices about food? Oh, should I have that healthy apple or that luscious-looking cupcake? Should I eat that healthy salad or could I have that juicy burger? And you know, those choices require some self-control. Or maybe self-control means holding steady, not doing what you certainly would want to do, even though that temptation is right there. Or maybe it means simply doing what you're supposed to do, setting aside those things maybe you enjoy doing that take up some of your time, like Facebook or texting, and, and putting your mind to your studying or other chores. Well, maybe that's what it means to you when we talk about self-control. Somebody said self-control is simply knowing you can do something, but deciding you won't. Perhaps the real question today is, do you need some self-control? In our series of messages this summer, we are looking at the theme of Christian character counts. And we're looking at a list of characteristics that Peter is urging us to have in our life. It's from his second letter in the beginning, where he says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control. So, the past few weeks, we've been looking at a list of characteristics and we've been using the illustration of a tree planted in soil. Because God tells us that the believer is like a tree that's planted by rivers of water. So we looked at how the soil is like the condition of our heart. And we, and we looked at faith. Then we looked at goodness and compared it to a seed that's put in the soil. For the goodness that we have is Christ and his righteousness in us. Last week we focused on the roots as being the, the source of nutrients, and so we talked about that knowledge that feeds our faith. But today we want to look at self-control. Now at the beginning of the week when I sent the service information to the office for the bulletin, I wasn't quite sure how I was going to word the theme, so I simply put down TBD, to be determined. And then later on I thought, maybe that's a good theme for self-control, something that needs to be determined. So this morning, let's ask a few questions like, what is self-control and where does it come from? Why do we need it and how do we get it? So as we look at our illustration today of, of that tree, we've, we've added a tree trunk now to everything. I know it came up rather fast, just in one week. But when we think of a tree and its trunk, we think of stability, something strong. It stands firm and is not easily knocked over. That certainly is what we think of as the duty or the, or the purpose behind self-control, to get us to stand strong and not be knocked over or swayed some other direction. Now when you look at a, at a tree and its trunk and you're reminded of the, the rings, and, and how it expands over time. And those, 
rings remind us that even though this tree came up in one week, trees don't just pop up in one week. It takes some time for it to develop. And that's true with that characteristic of self-control as well. So let's start out by first answering the question, what is self-control? The dictionary says this, it's the ability to control oneself. Makes sense. But in particular, one's emotions and desires, or the expression of them in one's behavior, especially in difficult situations. So you find yourself in a situation where you're thinking, oh, should I eat that salad? Or could I have that juicy burger? You see the control you might need in making a decision. Or maybe you find yourself in kind of a difficult situation where, boy, you're just ready to lash out at somebody. Just let them know what you think. But you hold back, you get some control and and bite your tongue. That's how we might think of self-control. The scriptures describe it in just a little bit different way. The word in the Greek that's used for self-control really means to have power over oneself. And it refers to having control over your will, that is, your desires, your thoughts, and your actions, in regard to sin and God's will. If we want to phrase it differently, we might say it's about walking the line staying on the line of God's will. Now, another question we might have about self-control is, well, where does it come from? Scientists have tried to find that out. In recent years, with all the technology and the ability to to look inside at the brain, scientists say, well, self-control is something that comes from the brain. And they have done different experiments and studies whereby they identify the different regions of the brain that are involved with decision-making, starting with our prefrontal lobe, the the front part of our brain. But they've noticed other connections, too, that it's connected to the emotional center of our brain and the centers that drive hunger and thirst and also the section that is involved with motion. And so they say it's, it's the brain that really is involved with self-control. And so they've done studies where, you know, they have somebody look at the different items of food and they can measure then when the different parts of the brain become activated. Well, that's true. The brain is is involved with our decision-making and our control, you might say. But I'm also reminded of this, that the scriptures tell us the sinful mind or brain is hostile to God. That is, our brain does not always function the way God wants it to function. And why is that? Because self-control really goes deeper than the brain. Jesus tells us it comes from the heart, our will. In Matthew 15, Jesus said, But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. And those thoughts coming from the heart go to the brain and then activate our our mouth and our eyes and, and our hands and everything else. But that self control isn't just 
in regard to the evil things. The Apostle Paul in our scripture reading earlier, when he talked about self-control, reminds us that that's also involved with the good. He said, we are a people who are his very own eager to do what is good. It comes from the heart. Well, since self-control then is involved with the heart, we can recognize how important a matter it really is, and we might say it's a matter of life and death then. And that leads us to take a look at why it's something the Scriptures urge us to have. As we heard in our Scripture reading before, St. Paul was telling the young pastor Timothy to teach the people about self-control. When we look at the Scriptures and see the encouragements we have about self-control, we can make a list of reasons why we need it. Some negatives and some positives. The Apostle Peter, in the chapter right before this second letter, wrote this. Be alert and of sober mind. In other words, have self-control. For your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. What he's pointing out to us is that with a a lack of self-control, we could easily fall victim to Satan. Satan is out to get us. He has set all sorts of traps for us. He's just waiting to pounce on us. The Apostle Paul reminded us that we are in a spiritual battle every day. And that battle is against the spiritual forces of evil. Therefore, Paul urges us to be strong and to take our stand, to have self-control and walk the line. Peter also said this, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. In other words, he's urging us to have that control so that we can keep walking the line, so that we can stay in God's will. Obviously, Satan is using all sorts of temptations and traps to get us. When we lack self-control, then, we could easily fall into sin. James describes it like this. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire. That is their own will. And they're enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. With that, he's simply describing what happens when we don't have self-control. You know, our will might be to obey God. The Spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. And the will sometimes gives in to that flesh. And then it experiences that sin. And maybe it enjoys for a short time the pleasure or, or the goal of whatever that sin was. But soon, that goes away. And so a person may try it again. And again, and, and soon a, a habit is developed. And from that habit then comes a practice characteristic of our behavior, of our person. And that could even lead to hardening of the heart. That could happen in any particular area of our life. In regard to material things, 
You know, I want it, I gotta have this. This is what brings me pleasure. Or or money. I need this. I gotta have more money. It could be involved with simply our mouth, with what we say, with what we say to others, what we say about others. It could be in regard to our use of substances. It could be involved with sexual immorality. All sorts of different areas of our life that will becomes weak as that action takes over. But it's not just doing those evil things where we could suffer from a lack of self-control. Also, not having self-control in doing the right things, in hearing God's word, in praying, in worshiping. All of those things displayed, again, a lack of self-control can lead us to fall into sin. Somebody once said, you sow an act and you reap a habit. You sow a habit and you reap a character. You sow a character and you reap a destiny. Where are you going? Where are you heading? The Apostle Paul described that very thing in Philippians 3. He said, For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. So from his words we recognize then, having a lack of self-control can bring about the destruction of our souls. We open ourselves up to the attacks of the devil, who wants only to destroy us. The writer of this proverb put it this way, Losing self-control leaves you as helpless as a city without a wall. With that, he's reminding us of how destructive a lack of self-control can be. Now, I know that we all have our weaknesses, and we'll even say that. Well, you know, we all have our flaws, we all have our weaknesses. Putting it into the context of a diet, we'll say, well, you know, I try, but... uh, This particular food is just my weakness. No, I'm not talking about diets this morning or saying they're sinful if you're not on them. Some of you are going, whoo. (laughs) But I use that as simply an illustration that sometimes we use that in regard to other things too. Maybe our language or our actions. And we say, well, you know, that's my weakness. That's my flaw. But we become a city without protective walls when we let down our defenses. Peter spoke about that right after he gives us that list of characteristics. He said, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So in other words, he's telling us there are some positives to having self-control. And one of those is what we might call safe control. He reminds us that when we walk the line, when we stay in God's will, we are reminding ourselves of who we are and why we live this way, because we have been called to be God's people. Peter continues, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort 
to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It helps us to walk in our faith, in our salvation. It also helps us to be self-giving. That is, we are reminded of why we are here and what God wants us to do. That we are here to share God's good gospel with others. The Apostle Paul refers to that and self-control in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, I've become all things to all people so that by all means I may save some. I do all these things because of the gospel so that I can be a participant in it. Do you not know that all the runners in a stadium compete, but only one receives the prize? So run to win. Each competitor must exercise self-control in everything. They do it to win a perishable crown. We, but we, an imperishable one. Here he's using the illustration of a Greek athlete in the Olympics. And the importance that that he has in having self-control. He needs to keep his focus. He needs to direct all his energy and attention on running that race, on meeting that goal. And for Paul, that goal was to share the gospel, to serve others. For a runner to maintain that focus, he needs to maintain some self-control. He can't be distracted by other things. He can't get involved with other things. He needs to stay on the line. And so with self-control, we can stay within God's will and serve the purpose for which he has called us. Finally, another positive I have in self-control is that this glorifies God because people will see how we live and they'll want to know why we live in a particular way. It's because of the gospel. Going back to Paul's instructions in Titus chapter 2, He said, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So how we live brings glory to God and to the gospel. Do you recognize now the value of self-control? It's good for you. It has both benefits now but also eternal benefits. Its value, however, is not just for you alone, it's also for other people, and it reflects on glory to God. Do you need some? Do you need to grow in that area of your Christian life? Then seek self-control. I'm sure if I asked you, what kind of wants do you have in life, and and what kind of needs and, and need to do things do you have? But put self-control on that list and seek it. 
Now maybe you're wondering, how do I get it? It sounds like it's a tough thing. It sounds like it takes some time that it has to develop like a tree trunk over years. Well, first we need to recognize that it's not something that we have within ourselves. It comes from God. The Apostle Paul reminds us that it is one of the gifts of or, or fruits of the Spirit. He said the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. He urges us there to walk in the Spirit and to keep in step with Him, to stay on the line. Since this is something that comes from the Spirit, simply ask God for it. And He will help develop it in you. This is a prayer God would love to answer. We know that sometimes God doesn't always give us our, our answers to prayers right away. But this is certainly one He wants us to have. He will grant it to us. Ask Him. And then as He gives it to you, train yourself in it. Again, looking back at the words of Paul, who talked about the training of an athlete. He said, each competitor must exercise self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run uncertainly or box like one who hits only the air. Instead, I subdue my body, making it my slave, so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. That victorious runner, that victorious Christian, is one who works on self-control. Think of an athlete. He trains himself in his particular sport so he knows the skill and his body is set to handle and perform. But that also means he has to look at every aspect of his life that's going to affect him, his daily schedule. He's got to make sure he keeps a routine and, and has good sleep. He has to make sure he has a good diet. He has to stay away from those things that will negatively affect his performance. But he also has to stay away from things that, while they're not bad for him, would distract him. And that's true for us too spiritually. There may be all sorts of other things that we can do that are not sinful, but if they don't help us build our spiritual life, or if they distract us from building that up, then we need to set them aside so we can train our body. Remember the words of the Apostle Paul as he urged us to hear the gospel that's offered to all for salvation. He said it teaches us to say no, just say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and live that self-controlled godly life. Sometimes people use the phrase WWJD, what did Jesus do? As a, as a reminder of follow the pattern of Christ. But also remember what Jesus did for us. He's the one who gave himself to redeem us. So let your motivation then for self-control be Christ. Live like him and for him who lived for you and died and rose for you. Think of the self-control that Jesus had for you. How he lived perfectly under all of the laws of God, fighting off every temptation, the same temptations that confront you and I. He did so perfectly, without any sin. Think of how he reached out to the hurting, how he met the needs of people, how he loved. 
He did that for you. Think of how he accepted God's will for his life. To lay down his life, taking upon himself our guilt, our lack of self-control, all of our sins. And in that process, he did not retaliate against those who were putting him to death. He did not say a word against them. But he kept silent and accepted this as God's will, to give up his life, to pay for our sins so that we could have life, that we would be his redeemed people who desire to do what is good. Let Christ be your motivation for self-controlled living. All right, self-control, TBD, to be determined. Review what we've said this morning about it and follow those steps. Look at what you can do and ask God to help you. Commit yourself to doing them. Get self-control to have self-control. When we realize what it is, why we need it, and how we get it, we can check it off and say, self-control, TBD. Not to be determined, but to be desired. God bless us in that walk. Amen.